So this is the most straightforward introduction to an episode for <laughs> After Dark in quite some time. Yes. Oh boy, I can tell it's going to be one of these nights, huh? Can you tell? Can you tell? Uh-huh. I was, I'm distracted. I'm looking something up, but go ahead. Okay. I'm getting so, ready for the main show. I want to have make sure all my notes are in order, Joe. So welcome to episode uh, 237 of Longbox Heroes After Dark, and possibly the first uh, early access Patreon version uh, of the show. Maybe Ooh. you got it early, maybe you didn't. Maybe you got a little bit of help uh, following along with us. For this episode uh, on the Patreon site, I included stuff. And we go a little bit more into depth on in and on the main show. It's just two tiers, a buck and five bucks. Uh, a buck will give you some extra things here and there. Ideas, thoughts, uh, old podcasts that Todd and I have done or I have <laughs> done. I reached out. Uh, to both Brian and uh, Stan Malibu about the, about the podcast that I did with them. Right. Let's just say that both of them were equal, equally helpful. Oh, good. I'm glad to hear it. And at least one of them has an excuse to be uh, as equally helpful as the other. The other one, not so much as an excuse to be so unhelpful, other than staying on brand. Oh, Brand staying is always the good thing. Mm-hmm. But hopefully in the near future we'll have more information. And then, of course, with the subject of this week's Al's Gals, and we can kind of use this going forward, of course, since if you're doing the $5 level, you're going to get After Dark a little bit early. Maybe, I know there's podcasts that I listen to where part of the Patreon thing is that you get the show early, but I'm so much sometimes in a rut that that's like my Friday show or my Thursday show or whatever. And then I get it early and it throws my whole schedule off. So maybe you're going to wait, but what we're going to do, at least try to do with these Al's Gals episodes, uh, some of the things that are a little more difficult to find, (laughs) uh, we're going to put into the Patreon. Oh, that's a good idea. Right. So just to tell the story here, um, The episode that we're going to be talking about here today is episode 25 of season two of The Nanny, The Chatterbox. (laughs) And, you know, we just kind of, you know, just kind of putzed around a little bit, found a version on Daily Motion. We're like, all right, it's here. It looks good. You know, these things on Daily Motion are always flipped or weirdly formatted or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. Little did we know, and thanks to listener Kevin Hellions for pointing this out, that the episode was also missing like the last two minutes or something. Right. Cause then I, I, when I found it, I bopped around through it. Right. But I, you know what I mean? Like you're like, all right, five minutes, you know, 10 minutes. All right. 15 yeah, minutes. Like, yeah. This looks commercials, good. You know, right. uh, the, the end credits, whatever it is. Right. Right. So apparently it's like missing like the last full two minutes. So I'm like right. scrambling. What am I going to do? What can we do? So I go, uh, through my scam sites. Hmm. Opportunity sites. Page. Huh? Opportunity sites. Opportunity sites. <laughs> I go and I find uh, a, a, a much clearer copy, a fuller copy, if you will, right, <laughs> of this episode of The Nanny. So I go, okay, here's what I'm going to do. Quick goat thinking on my part. Mm. I'm going to put it up on my personal YouTube page, but I'm going to put it up as private. So nobody can, only the people that I give the link to can find it, okay? Mm-hmm. 
I changed the episode title to something a little bit more innocuous. Ah, box chatter. Uh, well, so actually, to backtrack it, right? Mm-hmm. My initial, my initial uh, thought process was going to be this because how I got this to Todd was we have a shared Dropbox that I had to clean out of all the comic books for something on the A Todds with the wrestling show. Oh boy, I, I did see some filth in there that I didn't uh-huh. even acknowledge. Right. But I'm like, okay, so this will be kind of how Todd and I could work with these sort of things if we do bigger projects, and we need to share files in this way, right? Mm-hmm. So I go, it's already in the Dropbox. Let me see if I could link the Dropbox to the Patreon and just do it that way, and that didn't work. Right. So I go, okay, I'll upload it to my YouTube page, and that's what will go from here, right? Mm-hmm. I changed the episode title to something innocuous, and I'm uploading it, right? Okay. 97% done. I get an email from YouTube. Uh-oh. That's only, that could only be good things. Right. Now, it says, due to a copyright claim, this video has been blocked in some countries. It means the video is still up, but people in certain countries may not be able to watch it. Like Yugoslavia and America. Okay, so the copyright claim is from TF1 Antennes. Uh, I don't know what that is. No. Uh, it looks it's it's a private national French TV network, <laughs> and the video is blocked in these countries. Okay, France, right? French Guiana makes sense. French Polynesia. Oh, yes, I can understand that. St. Martin. Uh, is that Ricky Martin's brother? <laughs> yes. Guadalupe. Guadalupe, I'm probably mispronouncing that. I think it's Guadalupe. Gu- Gu- I'm not even going to try. Right. And French Southern Territories. Oh, God, don't even make a wrestling joke, please. <laughs> right. So, uh, at the very least, uh, our listeners... And Burkina Faso and Disputed Zone can get it. <laughs> and then it says, oh, it might contain copyright content. It might be music that's in the episode. And then it gives me a list of things that I can go and get uh, YouTube free music to edit things out. Right? Right. It says, we're adding tracks all the time. So I just thought it was funny. Like, the episode wasn't even, tw- like, it was 3%. It was almost done. And then I get the ping that France doesn't like my private video that I uploaded. <laughs> Viva la France. Exactly. But maybe it was like 90% way through and then we'll get to like some of the things that the people were singing in it and that's where it hit. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. So let's get into this episode. Unless there's anything else that we need to discuss non-after darky, like non uh Al's gals topics. Right. No, I'm, I think we're pretty good. I think we should get to possibly one of the greatest episodes of TV that's ever been made. Oh, did Were we supposed to watch something else? <laughs> yes, we were supposed to watch. No, I was, I was going to Doctor Who, but that wasn't on yet. So, so this episode aired uh, May 15th, 1995. And as we discussed last week, as I got the... The the plot of what the nanny is all about kind of muddled a bit, but I got the broad strokes of it, right? Pun intended. Well, the theme song just tells you what her origin story is. And I want to mention that. I miss the days of TV shows where the theme song tells you the plot of the show. 
just a good old boy. <laughs> right. Whether it be Dukes of Hazard, Beverly Hillbillies, uh, Gilligan's uh, Island, Gilligan's Island, Green Acres. I think Nanny might have been the last one where I, it's I like, think... oh, here's the plot of the show in 30 seconds. That's right. Night Court kicked that all off with just like some catchy jazz to get us going. Well, you know what? It was probably before then. Uh, I would assume that one of the uh, previous Al Gal's subjects, Sanford and Son, did it. That is true. But All, all in the uh, Family was not so much what the show was about, but a glimpse into what some of our main characters are into. The Cosby Show was another one, even though that was later. Right. A lot of bebopping and scatting from uh, the old Cos before he went to the Hooskow. That's right. Before when he was promoting Coke and and New Coke. Mm-hmm. Kodak film, Jello pudding, all of these things. Right. So anyway, off to this uh, episode. So our main plot of the episode is that the daughter, that the nanny, uh, Fran Drescher, is the nanny for, is going to a Sweet 16 party. So she's going to take uh, the daughter, whose name escapes me. What was her name? The little girl? Grace, Doesn't matter. She's in, she's in about like eight seconds of the show. Right. So well, I, no, it's a, there's there. She has some important things that are going on in this episode. Oh, okay. So we we establish that this is what's going on, but then also like the nanny leaves for the morning to do her errands, and then when she comes back, the the room, the the set, I guess the the big foyer of the fancy house is full of all these women auditioning for something. Oh well, the thing is, uh, the guy who owns the house, right? He's a uh a broad he may he produces broadway musicals gotcha so they need actresses because uh he has a feud i actually looked some of this up he has a feud with andrew lloyd weber because somebody told him to pass on cats and andrew lloyd weber got it so yeah that's what he does is like he does these musical uh, broadway shows i guess mm-hmm So the whole room is teeming with all of these people, and then we're introduced to mm-hmm. who was set to be, I guess, the lead of whatever chatterbox would be, which is Mary Ruth, right? Mm-hmm. She had a similar origin story to that of Fran Drescher, as we learned from the opening uh, theme song, where Fran worked in the bridal place, got kicked out by her boyfriend, Whereas Mary Ruth was training to be an actor, she was her boyfriend was her acting coach. He kicked her out for a girl with uh, uh, bigger bosoms. Let's say a lot of jokes in this episode about big chests. All right. Well, she he had bigger brain. She had, he had a bigger brain. Two of them. That's uh-huh. what she he liked about her. Ugh. So Fran takes a a liking to this poor girl who is turned down for her, her audition. Hmm. But Fran decides that we're going to be able to get her a job, possibly, at the Chatterbox as, what the hell is the guy's name? Mr. Mr. Anthony. Mr. Anthony's uh, uh, shampoo girl, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So now we go off to the Chatterbox where we get to meet all the colorful characters that are are there. Right. We get to meet Fran's mom and her mom, who are sexually accosting Mr. Anthony and he's all for it. Well, uh, Yetta, I guess her name is, uh, or, and uh, whoever the grandmother of, uh, of uh, the nanny. I thought she was Stan Malibu's grandmother. (laughs) 
when she came out in that silver jacket. I oh, was like, all right, we know the long lineage of Stan here. right?" Here. I was laughing because I was focused on that jacket the whole episode after that. Oh, that was pretty cool. So we, we meet Mr. Anthony, who is, I don't know, would you say he's kind of like Joe Piscopo light in this? Oh, he's 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 got a quarter of the talent, but all the charisma. Just yeah, he just a singing, dancing like buffoon, like muscle. I don't know what he is. I honestly don't. That's the one character I couldn't couldn't wrap my my head around. He right, was so because different. he's he's different in the first scene than he is in for the rest of the episode. Right, he almost seems like dopey. And then towards the end, like when his son, like who comes into the picture later, is like he becomes more normal. Like right. I don't know. It's I, maybe that's a whole. He's he's branding himself at the chatterbox. Maybe we possibly. So, right. so then we also meet Claude, who works the desk. Right. Poor Claude, who is a walking, talking, screaming gay stereotype. Right, and you may know. Uh, Claude is the character from Frasier. He was the food critic for the radio. Oh boy! So at least he had some he had some mileage as uh, you know after this. Right. Well, maybe this was going to be like his spinoff series as well. Right. The second biggest character to come out. The second biggest like person to have a career that came out of this episode. Right, and we'll and we'll get there. And then we also have. Uh, Kim, who is the nail technician, and even though she is Asian herself, she is another walking, talking, screaming stereotype. Right, but she has the ability to paint any mural on a nail, which is which reoccurs. The gag reoccurs like two or three times throughout the uh, throughout the episode. So here's our crazy characters. Uh, as I mentioned before, uh, the nanny, Fran Drescher's mom and her mom are sexually accosting poor Mr. Anthony, and he's singing a song, right? And that's another part of his shtick throughout the episode, that he sings a bunch of songs. Mm-hmm. Why do you and, think this is a uh, band in French Polynesian? Oh, oh my goodness. <laughs> so, if, like, and then from the first scene, he says, I made that song up. Right. But like, as though yes. it was kind of like a gag... And then later as the episode goes on, he sings more songs, mm-hmm. and then that kind of part of the shtick is dropped. Right, because of the love of his son, Joe. He doesn't have time for shtick. But it feels as though the first act break at the Chatterbox, his character changes to the second act. Right. And it's very strange. Like, there's pieces of it there. He's less of a Lothario in the later uh, part of the episode that he is in that first scene where he's allowing elderly women to stuff money down his pants. But did you notice, I'm going to get deep here. Go ahead. I'm going to get, I'm going to get mad not mad, but like, I'm going to get intelligent about this because you have, you noticed he gets smarter when the, when the, the salon is closed and it's only the workers. Maybe the whole Mr. Anthony is just the persona he portrays during the day for the customers. Hmm. And then at night, the real Mr. Uh, Antony comes out. He's a much deeper character than I had originally thought. Right. And you would know this if it went more than one spin, like one, you know, backdoor pilot episode of The Nanny. <laughs> it's like two thirds of an episode of The Nanny. Yeah, that is true. That is true. So, because it's like the, you have your first scene, which is the, a full episode of The Nanny. 
And then as these last two sec- sh- sections of the show are more the chatterbox, and we get like one fill-in or like one fill-in scene per scene, like a minute scene back at the nanny house, and then that closing scene where they leave. But we'll get there. So nanny, uh, Fran Drescher brings Mary Ruth in, says, "Oh, here's your job for the." Uh, oh, and that's the other thing. Oh, oh. So uh, when Fran Drescher, the nanny, is helping Mary Ruth uh, doctor up her resume for both the acting gig mm-hmm. and for the Mr. Anthony gig, with the jokes that they tell in there, again, are to pinpoint the exact week where this show was filmed <laughs> because there's a Baywatch joke and a Susan Powder joke. Right. I didn't know who Susan Powder was. Susan Powder is Stop the Insanity Woman. She had, like, the blonde crew-cut hairdo. Oh, she was, yeah. like, a workout person. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yes. I, no wonder I missed it, because I never stopped my insanity. Oh, <laughs> oh my goodness. So, yeah. So, there's jokes like that in, in this episode abound, right? hmm And... Comes in for the job as the shampoo girl, introduces the daughter of the millionaire guy that she works for to Mr. Anthony. Mr. And then Anthony. Mr. Anthony starts hitting on her, singing, you're 16, you're beautiful, and you're mine. Which is creepy in and of itself, until the next scene, after the commercial break, where we learn that she's only 15. Well, it's it's all good. He doesn't mean anything by it. That's just the Mr. Antony character. Joe. Well, Mr. Antony character is going to be serving some hard time oh. if this show was aired in 2019. Oh, they'd have a warning before the show. Or they'd have a hotline after it, like a cloak and dagger. Oh, that's that's from the main show. We'll get into that. Right. Or, or you heard that. Or I don't know. You're listening to it now. I don't know how things are going to work going forward but all this patreon stuff but go ahead just to wrap up that little storyline the whole gimmick is that we're going to bring the daughter there she's going to get a a blown out do like fran has but instead they just give her like an uma thurman wig from pulp fiction right that's the joke just a wig because she wanted to be a brunette because brunettes are sexy or something and then uh, Mr. What's-His-Face, the Mr. Sheffield, is like, no, no, get out of here, take the wig back. Little did she know she could have held on to it, and 20 years later, they could have used it on an episode of Legends of Tomorrow. Oh, boy. Well, I just want to say mm. that she ends up giving up the wig, and then at the end of the episode, Fran Drescher ends up putting it on. And Mr. Shetfield ends up like being super interested in her. I have to say, Fran Drescher looks pretty good in that wig, man. Right. So when they have her in the gimmick outfit of the nanny, mm-hmm. uh, the outfits are supposed to be like outrageous or whatever. Right. But I have like... to think of the timeline on this because I know that we're in the second season, of the nanny, which leads me to believe it pro- it started probably like the 93, 94 season. Right. And I feel as though the success of this show, The Nanny, caused them to put a similar character to Fran Drescher into Friends, which was uh, Matthew Perry's girlfriend, Janice, who was like the low-rent Fran Drescher. Chandler! Right, where she did like the high voice, she did the annoying laugh, she had the hair, and she had the like ridiculous outfits. But the thing is, when Fran Drescher's not in the ridiculous outfit, 
when she's in the tight the tight black cat suit with corset mm-hmm. and Uma Thurman wig. Right. She's got it going on. Yes, she does. I remember, you know, she was she was smoking in Dr. Detroit. So yeah, I know what you're saying. Though I do think Janice was just a straight up because the nanny was hot, but was a gag because she was just an annoying character. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So. Right. But I think it was like specifically like we need like maybe it was like a poke back. Right. At right. the nanny because the nanny's a successful show or it was like central casting where it's like we need a friend dresser type. Mm-hmm. They always say, uh, I forget who the actor was who had said this, the periods of your career are, who is blank, get me blank, <laughs> get me a blank type, then back to who is blank. Those are the four <laughs> stages of your career in Hollywood. Oh, is that the same with podcasting too? No. Okay. I wish. But... but. So that's that storyline wrapped up. There's your nanny storyline wrapped up. The rest of the show is the the chatterbox stuff. Mm-hmm. And there's a little bit there that I guess Fran's mom was up for the job as the shampoo girl. Right, but then she got the job for uh, uh, the, the, the actress girl. And then the mother found out and was mad. And then Fran had to fix it by telling her that she had to stay home with her man because he'd get all fat if she didn't stay home or something. Right. So, you know. So then we learn that uh, Mr. Anthony has a son, Mimo. You know, mm-hmm. the common name, Mimo, that people have. Right. Well, they were trying to, you know, everybody's got to have one of those cool names on the show. And Mimo, you know. Was it? Fu- oh, Finding Mimo? Was that what they were trying to do? No. No? Who was a young street tough who has gig marks from a street fight that he was in. Right. And in searching for a Band-Aid, Mary Ruth finds a picture of Mimo's mother, the ex-Mr. Anthony. Mrs. Mr. Anthony. Right. In a broken frame, Joe. Right, because he got mad and punched it. Right. He punched it with his his haircutting fist. Mm Mm-hmm. So we're establishing all these characters, we're establishing the relationship, we're establishing that Mary Ruth is being allowed to live in the back room at the at the chatterbox. So all this stuff is being built up, and none of it ever went anywhere, sadly. Right. But, you know, ho- they could have really spun this off. And hopefully with, you know, all these shows are coming back, like, you know, uh, they did Roseanne the reboot, and there's other shows the reboot, and there's rumors of bringing back The Nanny. If they do, the first thing they have to do is do the first scene in the chatterbox. Bring it back, Joe. I'd People are begging for, for it. We're begging for it. We'd be yep. on. We'd be on the edge of the curve. You know, it'll be it'll be a big hit in France, as we've learned. <laughs> oh, yes, yes. French Polynesia just screaming for a chatterbox reboot. So I know TV was a little bit different in 1995-96 than it was, or than it is currently, or even it would have been like five to ten years prior. Mm-hmm. So, why wasn't this picked up? Because it was terrible. Okay. I don't think it was terrible per se, but I just think maybe it came around at the wrong time. If this ca- if a show exactly like this, like the script is word for word exactly the same, 
mm-hmm. came around from 1978 to 1988, right. this could have got at least 13 episodes. On Fox. I, Early Fox. On Fox, it could have got three seasons. <laughs> that is true. On one of the major networks. But I think at this point, we were in like a post-Seinfeld, pre-Friends, where like sitcoms were changing. Yeah, I agree. And you couldn't rely as much on the typical crutches of uh, sexual perversions, sexual harassment, racial jokes, and homophobia. You pick one. This had all of them. This had all of them. It was too much. I don't know, because I bet you if you, you could find a whole bunch of shows that still have that after like that era that you're talking about i but that thing i think we've come back around Mm -hmm. but during this like late 90s era i think what was acceptable as what could be a hit sitcom was different Mm -hmm. i I don't know i don't know how you can miss when when the show one of the show's joke is that the main character the the actress sees blood she's going to pass out and she asks the young boy to make sure her dress doesn't go up over her head and she does a pratfall this is comedy gold joe this is right I, it, it had a lot of stuff in the episode but i'm just saying i just think this may have came too late yeah i i do think this is this is this is more Three's company than it is Modern uh, Modern Family. <laughs> right. This is a Norman Fell, like, this was a, a script he threw away. Right. This is, this is like, like, the next episode literally would have been uh, about, like, uh, Mr. Antony wanting to get rid of uh, Cece because she, he thinks she has a, you know, an unwanted baby when really she found a kitten in the alley and she's feeding it. And it's all, it's one big crazy misunderstanding joke, which is like what every episode of a sitcom was in the seventies. Right. And then you have, uh, Kim, the nail technician, is like the vil- because she becomes like the in-house villain because she wants the room where Mary Ruth is living to be the employee lounge. Mm-hmm. And then you have your uh, season cliffhanger where the mom comes back. Right. And then you want to have some characters from the nanny pop in from here and there. You know, the daughter comes back. Maybe she wants a different wig. Maybe Mr. Sheffield comes in because he liked what Fran was wearing that one time. Mm-hmm. There's all sorts of things that you could have done to still keep your toe in the nanny uh, pool of success. But like I said, I don't think this was terrible. Mm-hmm. I just don't think like it certainly would not fly in 2019. No way. No how. I think this was just nothing. Like I maybe laughed a couple. I think the funniest person in the whole thing was Stan Malibu's grandmother. Okay. Uh, she, she had a couple of good lines. I forget what they are off the top of my head, but that's about it. That's uh, uh, other than Fran in the corset and the wig at the end. Um, <laughs> I, I really didn't care about this episode. The only thing that kind of blew my mind was who Kim turned yes. out to be. Like literally when I went down the list, I'm like, oh, it's nice to see Mr. Antony getting some work. Here and there. You know what I mean? Like, going down, like, that guy. I was like, ah, Frazier. And then I was like, Kim is uh, Lauren Tom. And I'm like, I kind of know that voice from somewhere. Uh Uh-huh. And then I look, and I'm like, 
She was Amy Wong on Futurama, one of the greatest comedies of all time. Oh, so cool. Right, because I was a little suspect because I'm like, is this an Asian person playing it over the top? Or is this someone who is not Asian doing a very inappropriate Asian something? Right. And uh, no, it was an Asian person. And obviously, as much as I thought the actress here, Lauren Tom, had turned it up for this character, she like triples it. When she did uh, Amy's mom on Futurama. Mm-hmm. But she also did Amy. Was she? I thought she was just uh, Amy's mom. I didn't know she was Amy as well. I thought she was Amy Wong, too. I'm Could almost I'm looking... certain. Unless the internet lied to me. You might be right. I might have read that wrong. Oh, no. She is Amy and she's Amy's mom. Right, so she's like, she's a main character. Right, That's so what she, actually blew my mind. I didn't know she was Amy's mom. Right, I so thought she, you were saying she was Amy. No, well, okay, she's Amy, she downplays it as Amy, and then turns it up to be Amy's mom. Right, well, I love Amy Wong's parents. They're the best. <laughs> they're not the best characters on Futurama, <laughs> but they're up there. Now, I, I will also say this. I do know from some of the other podcasts that I listen to, Mm-hmm. While they did not do so on The Simpsons themselves, they did make a point in Futurama when they were voice casting for different ethnicities mm-hmm. that they attempted to the best of their ability to cast that ethnicity to play that ethnicity's voice. Right, unless, any- they had, unless they had somebody who did a lot of, like, was great at voice acting. And they're like, ah, go, go crazy. You know what I mean? Right. That's cool. I never knew that. Mm-hmm. But by the way, just so you know, it's uh, Zoidberg and Zap Brannigan as the two best characters on on Futurama. Mm. With Zap being my favorite, I I love a good Zap episode. I enjoy the Professor. The Professor's fun, but I quote Zap all the time. Right? Do you know I have a sexy learning disease, Joe? <laughs> what is it, Kiff? Sexlexia. I love sexlexia. One of my favorites is the when he's attempting to help Kiff pick up Amy. Mm-hmm. And he gives him his book of pickup lines and he says, <laughs> say as many of them as fast as you can. Yes. But my all-time most often used Zap Brannigan quote is from when they when uh Bender and Fry joined the army and they ended up going to the they went up to the I forget what the name of the group was, but they were just bouncing balls and they had to fight them. And they're sitting there and, and, and Nixon's like, cause, uh, Zap is infatuated with Leela, who's disguised as a man to join the army to help them out. And Zap's just like staring at her the whole time at dinner. And Nixon's just talking. He's like, and then we opened the crate and the panda had died on its choked on its own vomit. Right. And Zap just goes, yep. That's what that's whatever you were talking about for you. I use that like 17 times a day when I don't care. Zap's the best. And just to throw it out there, right around this same time, uh, she was a recurring character as Ross's girlfriend on Friends. Oh, my goodness. So she was giving them all the advice on how to portray Janice. Right. Oh, see, she had the inside track. She's like, tell us how Fran would have done this scene. 
<laughs> well, she would have been an over-the-top Jewish stereotype. Got it. Go with that. Okay. All right. Fair enough. We got gotcha. you. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, uh, I like this a little bit. Like, I didn't hate this and I didn't love it, but it wasn't – it was by far – not the worst thing that we've watched so far as part of Al's Gals. That is true. That is true. It's not the worst. I'm trying to think. I have to go over the list. What was Walter? Was it Walter? I th- you say Walter. I still say uh, Grady was worse. Grady was. I didn't mind Grady. I know there was. Wh- what else did we have in there? There's one that's even worse. Hmm. I know there was one where I was like, this is god awful. There- we- so what we had. Uh, you know, obviously the first one was Blansky's Beauties. Right, which is I think the we best. Do this every, I think we do this every Al's Gals, just so you know. Right. Blansky's Beauties, which is the best so far. Right, because it had Arkansas. That's all you need. Right, and the dog. What was oh, the dog's Blackjack? name? Blackjack. Texas Hold'em. What was the dog's name? I forgot. The dog's name was Three Card Monty. <laughs> so the Tortellis. Right. Walter. Right. Brady. Right. And now this. Oh, hmm. It's a this is a toss up between Walter and this for me. Right. So if I'm ranking them as they are right now, Blansky's Beauty's number one. Right. <sighs> Tortelli's number two. This number two. Okay. Tortelli's number three. Walter number four. Grady number five. I don't know. You're crazy. But that makes a good list, I guess. But we could we could agree that Blansky's Beauty's has been the best so far. Oh, my God. It was, like I said, back when we did the episode, it's literally a, a Scooby-Doo episode. Right. So how could that be bad? I wish we had, literally, I wish we had just had the ability to find all 13 episodes and Al's Gals was just once a month doing an episode of Blansky's Beauties. But alas, that was not to come to be. But uh, I think we're still, we still have some gold to mine with this thing. I definitely think so as well. Mm-hmm. As long as we get videos that run all the way through before it's over. Right. And I'm going to be a little bit more diligent on that. And, and as I mentioned, if it's more readily available, I'm going to do my best, of course, to put it up on the Patreon for the folks. Just a little bit something extra if you want to follow along. Because I figure if you're paying the extra vig, <laughs> the $5 a month to get the show early, uh, then you care about the Al's Gals a little bit more. And then maybe... You know, we'll push that information a little bit closer to you uh, over on the Patreon. But like I said, that's really the only thing extra right now. And again, this is, you know, we're talking about it. And that's certainly a thing that we could do with the Patreon is, um, you know, we get that money in from the Patreon and we could use part of that money for the Patreon to buy that DVD set that we found from the bootleg site that hasn't been updated in four years to get all 13 episodes of Blansky's Beauties. Mm-hmm. And then have that as a Patreon bonus as well. I And we'll see, because I, I am going to a couple of cons this year. So we'll see. I'll see if I can find any bootleg DVD tables, too. Sadly, they don't exist the same way they used to. They still do, if you know where to look at a con. You got to go to the bigger ones, but they're yeah. always there. And I think what they've done is a lot of them have whittled away what's able to be purchased. So that's how they get away with this shit. 
Hmm. It's like, oh, well, I can't find a copy of the complete season of Blansky's Beauty, so it's okay. But, you know, here's like season three of the Tom, of Tom Baker's run of Doctor Who, which they're putting out on Blu-ray. Like, no, like, get that out of here. So it's stuff that can't, that's not owned, right? Right, I think so. Hmm. I'll ask next time I go. I'll be like, would you like to do an interview for Longbox Heroes about your bootleg DVDs? We'll, uh, we'll, uh, uh, hide your voice or something. That's right. We'll, we'll mask my voice so nobody knows who's interviewing you. Right. So let me do this. Oh, Joe's clicking a thing and doing stuff. Because there's that Warner archive that we had talked about a little while ago that has a whole bunch of weird stuff on there. It's like the print-to-order DVDs. Right. Of, like, older movies, older TV shows, and stuff like that. And I was looking to see if Blansky's Beauties was maybe on there. Sadly, it's not. I think it was Warner Brothers. Mm-hmm. I think that was too big. I think Ron Howard bought the rights. So he could have it for his personal collection. Howard, you've done it again. <laughs> Opie, you crazy kid, you... So right, this actually only had eight of the of the thirteen episodes. What Blansky's? Yeah, that's not good enough. Did did I send this guy an email on the air or no? I think you. I don't know if you sent it on the air, but I do think you sent this guy an email. Let me look. You're gonna check your your uh, files. Yeah, You're meticulous. Dear bootleg DVD guy. How are you? I am fine. <laughs> no. Oh, well, there you go. did not. Maybe you should have sent him an email. I'm gonna now. There you go, dear. <laughs> Blansky's Beauties. I just think how that didn't get a spinoff, just the Arkansas show, still, it still aggravates me. I agree. Just, I'm Arkansas, and we're all Blansky's beauties. Such such, such range. Oh. Makes me want to go back and watch the pilot again. All right. So we'll see how that goes. Updates here in the future. And, uh, yeah, I think that's everything for uh, this episode of Longbox Heroes After Dark. I think so, too. Right. So, uh, you know, longboxheroes.com. If you're not subscribed to the Patreon, check it out. A buck a month, five bucks a month gets you this early. We're not going to hound you too much. It's just new, so we're mentioning it a bunch. And this Mm -hmm. is a little bit shorter because a lot of times we get, like, two episodes of something that we watch, but this was just one episode of something. So that's why this was a little bit uh, shorter. And right. uh, I don't know, it was a holiday over the weekend. I didn't do much anything of note. I just ate hot dogs. There you go. I'm jealous of that. You like hot dogs? I do like hot dogs. I get the Hoffman Red Hots with the skin on them, Joe. <laughs> with a uh, little, how they're all like connected and you rip them apart and put them in the, I put it in the toaster oven on a Baroil. You're doing some sort of accent that I'm not following. I'm just doing an accent for fun. I don't know. Gotcha. 
because I figured I didn't do any racist accents during the show. I should just do a random, you know, nondescript accent there of someone go. who, you know, is in Brooklyn eating hot dogs from a butcher. I don't know. Sounded more Chicagoan than anything else. Oh, is it your favorite Chicagoan? Phil? No. No. I, I still want to read more Phil statements in the Chicago voice. And we haven't done that since uh, he wrote the end of uh, The Superior Foes of Spider-Man. Well, gladly he's been drummed out of most businesses that he's ever been involved with. So I think, mm-hmm. uh, un- unless you'd like to go read his tweets.